Well, welcome to Providence today. We're so glad that everyone is here. It's a wonderful sight to see your faces. And happy July 4th to everybody. Uh, please join me in a word in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of worshiping you today. We thank you, Lord, for sharing your glory with us as sinners, for calling us out of darkness and transferring us from the dominion of Satan to the kingdom of your glorious light. Lord, we praise you and we, it has brought home to us each and every day what an amazing thing it is to be saved. As we think about the story of the people being brought out of Egypt, Lord, we can see those parallels in our lives that we are brought out of, brought out of this world while still in it to be yours, to be wholly devoted to you. And Lord, we pray that today um, you would help us to hear your voice and to walk away from anything that we need to walk away from and to walk towards you, Lord. Help us to walk in the light as you are in the light. Lord, we love you so much. We thank you for the wonderful promise that <clears throat> you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess our sins. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for sharing your word with us. And now we ask, Lord, that you would be with your word, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us through the preaching of your word. Let these be your words, Lord, and not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, please open them to 1 Peter Chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and I will read this in just a moment here. First Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, and you can keep these open before you as we are going through this text. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord. Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. One of our clearest duties as Christians is to worship God. Jesus said, But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. So what does it mean to worship? Well, often it means to praise. C.S. Lewis wrote, I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless, sometimes even if, shyness or the fear of boring others 
is deliberately brought in to check it. The world rings with praise. He gives many examples. One example for us, uh, especially at this time of the year, could be watching fireworks. And as you are watching these fireworks go off, it is just impossible to not make some sort of reaction like, ooh, ah, that's amazing, that's so cool. He goes on to say, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. Our text, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, gives us ample reason to enjoy and so praise the character God reveals to us in salvation. A salvation that spans yesterday, today, and forever. So as we contemplate God's character, we will never run dry in our delight or weary in our praise. As we contemplate God's character, we have a wellspring of praise to God. Neither the length of eternity nor the sharpness of life's daily trials can separate us from the praise of God. Now with that confidence, let's consider the reasons Peter gives for God's praise here in our text for today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed means happy or fortunate, that which deserves honor. The Greek word here is eulogetos, which is preserved in our English word eulogy. Now, I know what you're thinking. When you hear the word eulogy, you're probably thinking funeral. But it means so much more than that. It means speaking well of. It means so much more than recognizing somebody's lifetime achievements. At a funeral, you always have in the back of your mind, well, they're not going to share the bad stories, of course. But this word eulogetas, eulogy, it is a speaking the complete truth of God who is the living God whose character and works will never cease. Speaking truthfully of, speaking well of. Now the Father is the special recipient of this praise and we will see why in just a moment. But first of all, let us notice that he is mentioned as the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a wealth of meaning in that brief phrase that we so quickly can pass over. It is through his Son that God has revealed himself, has made himself fully known to us. Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 2 says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Indeed, Christ is the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. And so, to know Christ is to know the Father. Christ came into the world to save sinners, and so salvation in all its fullness is the occasion of our praise 
because it is the complete revelation of God's character. And so as we sing songs today about being saved from hell, as we sing songs today about God forgiving our sins because of the perfect blood of Christ, we see the character of God revealed, and so we praise him. To know Christ is to know the Father. Now behind the action of salvation, we see God's eternal character. And first of all, we see mercy, which implies holiness. According to his great mercy, in this one word mercy, we see God's holy response to unholy people. He must punish sin with death, but he takes no pleasure in it. He would have compassion on the objects of his wrath. In Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, the very last taste of that book, where the Lord sends a prophet to tell this pagan city to repent or he'll destroy it. The Lord says this and leaves us with this question. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle? So we can see that the Lord is merciful. We praise the Father for his mercy, which we enjoy so richly in salvation, the way out from his righteous anger, which he offers in Jesus Christ. And more praise follows quickly upon these heels. We've seen that God is merciful. We praise him for that. We see that God is holy because his mercy means that he's holy. More praise, as I said, follows quickly. This time, his sovereignty. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. The King James puts it like this, hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. I think that word begotten is so powerful. It is the action of a father begetting a son. It is a very intimate and powerful word. Jesus taught Nicodemus, a synagogue leader, Truly, truly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This spiritual rebirth is necessary. Jesus' saving work of appeasing God's wrath was completed at the cross. And it takes hold in our individual lives when we are regenerated by God. We need the second birth because otherwise we are sealed off to God in a spiritually dead nature that does not desire God or enjoy him, wants nothing to do with him. Salvation means nothing because union with the holy God means nothing to that spiritually dead nature that we are all born with. In the new birth, we are given new eyes to see. 
that nature, that old nature has eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, that nature can receive nothing from God but condemnation. But in the new nature, we receive new eyes, new ears to hear, new spiritual taste buds, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone that experiences conviction and repentance at the hearing of the gospel. God must turn on the lights, and so he gets all the credit. This is about praise after all. Paul says something quite similar to Peter in Romans chapter 9, verses 15 through 16. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. The enjoyment of our salvation, the enjoyment of the character of God revealed in salvation begins with realizing we had nothing to do with it. There but for the grace of God go I is our response as we contemplate how as we see evil and darkness in the world, that would be us if it wasn't for the salvation that God did, that God chose to do, choosing us and setting us apart. As we look at the holiness of God in awe and contemplate how we need his mercy to stand before him, remembering that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We no longer need to have a fear of condemnation, but we can have a living hope. What is that hope? Well, the answer to this question reveals God's truthfulness, his inability to lie, and also his purity. In Scripture, hope is anticipation of a certainty. It is guaranteed by God. It is living because it has to do with Christ's resurrection from the dead. John put it like this in 1 John 3, 2-3. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. We have the confident expectation that just as we have received a new nature and have become a new creation, so one day at Christ's coming, we will have a new glorified body in which there will be no sin nature. And is that not a glorious thought? For now, our praise will ring to God when we, in spirit and in truth, allow this hope to motivate our hearts to be pure. And that will be true appreciation of God's character. Now on what does this future hope rest? 
through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Not only is Christ's resurrection certain historical fact, Paul could attest to over 500 people, including himself, who had seen the risen Christ. Not only is it just an objective fact, but it also has deep personal significance to us as believers. You see, the death Jesus died was for us as sinners. And so the new life he enjoys is also for the same redeemed sinner to enjoy. Jesus came to die for us, and so when he lives again, that is also for us to enjoy. Oh, what manner of love is this, that we should be called the children of God, that we should be able to stand before a holy God, not only to hear him say, that we are not condemned, but have the righteousness of Christ, but also that one day we will share in the resurrection of Christ. We will have new bodies. Not only will we have a, have we been given a new nature that now fights against our sin nature so that we are constantly fighting this internal struggle, but one day all of that will be gone. We will not be fighting sin off because we will have a new body that has no sin nature in it and we will be able to enjoy God forever. Completely. That is an amazing thought. Especially as we continue to struggle with sin and be able to know that there is a finish line. There is a point at which we know that that battle will be won. And as we enjoy this future certainty advance, knowing that, as John said, oh, what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of God in the face of failing bodies and circumstances beyond our mortal control, we praise the Father all the more, knowing he is faithful who has promised. God's generosity is incomparable. Not only taking away our sin, giving us a new nature and a glorified body. But there is even more further on here. We see God's generous covenant love to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. There are some things in life that are very difficult to describe. What is amazing about these three words is they all in the Greek start with an alpha. And so that means that just as we kind of see in the English language, th uh, things that are without start with an A sometimes. So we can think of many examples of that, such as the word agnostic, somebody who is without knowledge, claims to be without knowledge. Um, these words, you could say in your mind, are things that are without perishing. They are things that are without defilement. They are things that are without any fading. It, it is just beyond our ability to fully comprehend. It is an inheritance because it is a gift, a legacy, 
that is a result of Christ's death on the cross. An inheritance is always something that happens because somebody died. And here, Christ died so that we could have this inheritance. But unlike any earthly legacy, it has no end. No end. Perhaps if somebody leaves you something in their will, uh, you spend that money and you really enjoyed spending it, but man, it's gone now. Well, this is something that never has any end. It's really poetry. What results from Christ's death is undying. What resulted from him who knew no sin becoming sin for us is without stain. Because he died, which we can think of as fading, it is unfading and permanent. Kept in heaven for you, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. As Christians, we wait for the fullness of all that Christ purchased and secured by covenant. Those promises that he got from the Father. We wait for his appearing when Psalm 110 is fulfilled and Christ will rule over all his enemies. Not only do we enjoy these great and precious promises, but the Holy Spirit is the advance, as it were, that gives our hope and therefore our praise solidity. We know that those promises will be fulfilled and so we can praise God in advance knowing that he is a generous and faithful promiser. Finally, God's power. This is our, our last characteristic that we'll look at from this passage. And of course, throughout Scripture, there are many more reasons to praise God. But in this, these short and brief verses, I hope that we can all see that there are many reasons for us to constantly praise God. Sometimes we come to church, and our heads are filled with many things. We might, as it were, try to get in, get in the groove to worship. And there are many times throughout the day that maybe our hearts are dull. Well, we can turn to Scripture and remember this character that God reveals to us in salvation, and that will be our motivator to praise as we just like seeing fireworks go off, we can't help but praise. As we see God's awesome character towards us, we can't help but praise him. Now, as I said, finally we see in this, this passage God's power. And this is a very important word for all of us who by God's power are guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So not only do we see the attributes of God's mercy, God's holiness, God's sovereignty, God's generosity, God's faithful covenant love, but also his power or omnipotence. Think of it. Think of what this verse is saying to you as a believer today. All of God's power is behind your faith to get you across the finish line. Sometimes in the face of evil, uh, we are by a coworker who we have to be around and, 
in their conversation. They say terrible things and you just feel gross. You feel like, how, how can I have any strength to resist this evil and wicked world? Well, remember this, that all of God's power, all of God's power that created the universe is behind your faith. No one that God chooses will ever be lost to him, but they will persevere until the end. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Remember, no one can snatch you from the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Hallelujah. Children of God, your Father has shown you his character at every step of your salvation. Enjoy him and praise him forever. Perhaps today is the day of salvation for someone else here who at the prompting of God will sense their own need of this glorious salvation. Cry out to him now and he will save you. Just as salvation encompasses yesterday, today, and forever, so also praise should flow to God across that span that big picture as we enjoy his unchanging character towards us, revealed in the face of Jesus Christ. It is a wonderful thought to think. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we'd first begun. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, Thank you for your character. We praise you. We praise you, Lord, for all of these attributes and so many more that we see in Scripture. Lord, we glorify you. We glorify you because you are full of mercy. And that is our hope every day. And Lord, if there is somebody out there that you have touched with the knowledge of your holiness, and how they stand before you, how it is a fearful thing to fall into your hands without your mercy. Lord, I pray that you would impress upon their heart their need for a Savior and cause them to cry out to you that they might be saved. Lord, we pray that your mercy would be a precious, precious thing to us. We also praise you, Lord, because you are holy. Lord, we praise you because you're faithful. We praise you because you're generous. We praise you because we know that one day, um, at the perfect and right time, your son will return. And our living hope that we have every day, even as our bodies fail and things look to us so far out of our control, we know that your promise at Christ's coming is sure. Lord, we thank you for your power behind our faith that your power is present in our weakness. We hold this treasure in jars of clay. Lord, we praise you 
We honor you. We worship you, God. And may these words in 1 Peter always be with us to cause us to praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.